poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your hosts of the show, Coach Brad and John. What up, John? Welcome to the show. How's it going? We're doing three by pots out of position versus regs specifically today. I think this is actually something that gets asked about a lot in the village. Like requests for Tactical Tuesday is just like playing three by pots out of position. Um, And like your courses have the fish part down. So no need to for us to go into there, but like we've uh we definitely do get a lot of requests for out of position three bet versus regs. Yeah, I mean it, it's a tricky area, right? Like basically in a three bet pot, your one or both players stacks are typically at risk, and you're playing out of position against strong opponents who are going to make good decisions and utilize their positional advantage and not make any clear blunders with continuing or folding. So yeah, it, it's tough playing out of position three butt pots against, against regs. Yeah. Um, All right. So we'll start yeah, off with one of your hands. Yeah. No, uh, no foreplay. You just, you just jump right into it. Like, <laughs> let's, let's go. This, this is the, those are my favorite types of YouTube videos. The ones that just like show me the thing that I'm, that I clicked on it for. So All right. Try to, to that as much as possible all right, all right. so 200 big blinds effective 510 no limit um well i guess i gave it a little bit away uh mp opens to 25 holds around to brad in the small blind who has ace of spades queen of hearts he threw bets to 110 dollars in big blind folds and mp calls i want to know something fun i mean i think this is just totally standard i, I if i saw anybody do this uh I, I like wouldn't have like raised an eyebrow um, a couple weeks ago, but in my preparation for playing like deeper live cash during the series, uh, I was studying. I did a lot of work with like 200 big blind ranges, which is like the deepest my solved ranges get. And ace queen offsuit is actually not a three bet at 200 bigs facing a middle position open from the small blind. Really? What is it? Yeah. Fold? It's a small. Flat? It's a yeah, like small frequency. Not small, but like medium frequency flat and fold. For the rest it's like 60% fold 40% flat wow Something like that anyways that I have a feeling that's probably not going to happen <laughs> yeah I don't think anyone that's what I said like I wouldn't like blame anyone for seeing that I was surprised too when I saw you know but it just I mean that sort of just goes to I guess like the thing that we should take away from that or if that listener should take away from that is that um when you are playing deeper than 100 big blinds and when you start getting you know at least for online in the online world really deep at like 200 big blinds effective the types of hands that you want to be three betting um at that depth are hands that make the nuts quite frequently and and can make the nuts kind of easily so a lot of your three betting range shifts towards suited aces that can make the nut flush um and you sort of start cutting away uh at hands like this like ace queen offsuit ace jack offsuit that are very strong um just in terms of like high card advantage but that matters uh, that starts to matter less and less the deeper the deeper you get because people are just they're not stacking off with like ace jack suited on an ace high flop at 200 big blinds effective and you're probably only stacking yourself if all the money goes in. Um, so, anyways, well, 
you have a high, high, higher SPR when you see the flop at 200 big, big blinds deep. And I, I think what you said makes a lot of sense that there's a lot of preference to like suited hands mm-hmm. or, as opposed to off suit hands. Um, with that being said, it's hard for me to imagine that like, it's hard to be mad for me to imagine like flatting from the small blind isn't going to turn a profit with ace queen off like more so than folding is losing half a big blind. Right. But, right. Um, because I think that like when you flat, you have a much higher SPR. And so stacks are not typically in play mm-hmm. um, post flop. But anyway, yeah, I, I do think that makes sense though. Like fundamentally thinking about the way that poker's played that the deeper you are, you want to have hands that like can make the nuts more often and ace queen only makes the nuts when it makes a broadway um and you know when it makes a boat so yeah so anyways <laughs> well we this is how we always end up spending like 40 minutes a hand or something it's because we take like the simplest pre-flop decision and spend five minutes on it so anyways let's yeah. see a flop five minutes in we're, we're jumping into the action as john loves when he watches videos this on is why we have to start the videos like you know we can't like have the foreplay five minutes because we do that. <laughs> It'll just yeah, take forever. We, we, Anyways, we dilly dally. Ace, ace, deuce, flop, two diamonds, ace of clubs, ace of diamonds, deuce of diamonds on the flop. Brad, uh, again, for the podcast listeners, ace of spades, queen of hearts. So super good flop for both our range and our actual hand. Uh, Brad starts out with a one third pot C bet. Um, I like that a lot on these paired flops, especially the ones that um, highly favor you. I think on like a low paired flop, like a three, three deuce flop, you could. Definitely start thinking about using larger sizes and maybe playing like a playing a strategy that includes more checks. But on ace ace deuce, uh, I think c betting for a third is is the way to go. Yeah. So despite us not being able to flop the nuts, we flop a pretty good hand. We flop pretty pretty close to the nuts um, with with our ace queen. Uh, so yeah, bet a third. Villain calls. Turn is the ten of clubs. So board is ace ace deuce. 10 with two diamonds and two clubs. There's 365 in the pot and we're 1900 effective thoughts here on the turn, John. Um, I think you could go one of two ways. I would go one of two ways on the turn. The, I think the simplest strategy to execute on the turn would be to check your entire range. Once you get called on the flop and, um, you know, just continue with the hand that way. I think the other way to play your range is that you can really push your, uh, your ASEX advantage. Presumably, you have way more stronger ASEX than your opponent does, and um, kind of bet big with you know hands like Ace King, Ace Queen on the turn, and also pick from whatever bluffs you want to to also bet big on the turn with as well. Um, I think that's a little bit. It's a dicier strategy to execute. It's definitely going to be harder, and it's going to be. I don't know. I think the riskier. Be, yeah, there are two risks. One is that you bet too thinly for value. Like I think. You know, going two thirds with a hand like Ace Five suited, for example, would just be like, would be a mistake. Um, the other thing is that you're, it's probably really easy to under bluff and like only bet your Ace X and like start checking like, Jack of Fades or something like that. Um, well, so, when you bet, you also risk playing for stacks too, right? Like you, you, you make it a possible three bet game where they can raise turn and jam river. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that we have a lot of hands in our range that really want to play for 200 more big blinds here compared to the villain who, you know, they're going to have ace-deuce suited. They'll probably have deuces. Um, they'll have tens, and they'll have... They have ace-ten, ace-deuce, tens, and deuces. So, like, they, they have a lot of boats in their range. Um, we have, you know, tens full, 
And that's kind of it. Like maybe some low frequency ace deuce, but we don't really have uh, deuces full. So I think villain has like more nutted hands in their range than we do. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I think it's probably a little bit closer than than you made it sound. Like I don't know. We still have quads. We we probably have the same number of ace ten students, assuming you're three betting those. Um, if you I have, yeah, I would mean, not expect you... villain to have ace deuce suited. Deuces, yes, but ace deuce suited. I think that's that's a little bit too wide of appeal. But you know, maybe people are doing that. Also, we block. We have an ace, so there's only one combo of wow. ace suited. Left. Two two hundred big steep. You're folding ace deuce suited in position, facing a small blind three bet from MP. Look at this guy. I can tell you, there's like a, there's there's a zero percent chance that I'm folding ace deuce suited here. Like we're gonna call, we're gonna realize positional advantage, and we're gonna play deep. Um, all right, all right, all right. But. So what's your strategy here? Like, what what are you doing? Are you checking range? Or are you? Yeah, I'm checking range. I, yeah. I think betting is too risky um, because, like I said, I, I don't have many hands in my range that want to play for everything, and I think villain has more hands in their range, and and also like it just is difficult to play versus a raise, um, and so uh, checking, I think, trying to play for either basically trying to play for. Two bets or one bet is ideal for what I want to do. If the turn checks through, then I get to bet the river. Um, villain has lots of bluff catchers, um, and if, if villain has ace x, like they can also value cut themselves, right? Like they can, if they have ace five suited, they can just go big because I don't have a ton of ace x in my range, and I've got like a lot of king queen and kings queens and jacks. So I think that like, yeah, they can they can go big with like ace five in position here versus a check. I would think. Also, um, I think there's one thing that we didn't really talk about was checking ranger gives uh, our opponents a chance to stab with hands that would just snap fold facing a turn bet from us. Like, I don't know, really obvious one that comes to mind here is a hand like four or five suited. Um, probably just folds if we bet, but very likely to stab the turn if we check. Um, so yeah, that's just another added benefit to, to checking in the spot. Um, maybe even so, the pocket pairs too, right? Like maybe... Uh, maybe pocket sixes. Trays, fours, five, sixes, sevens, eights, nines. Um, just want to play for one bet, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, so you go ahead and check your trips and our opponent stabs one-third. This is just, this is like total clockwork. This is exactly what I would expect <laughs> to happen. <laughs> like, I feel like you can almost rely on this this one-third stab. Um, we, we've talked about this before on on previous Tech Tuesdays where I, I think this happens all the time, and, and Brad... Doesn't think it happens as frequently as I do, but not no, surprised I, to see this one third. Yeah, I think it happens. I, I think the in position one third. Yeah, I think I said it happens. happens all the time, and you were like, mm, you know, we looked at the data, and it, it wasn't. <laughs> it was like twenty five percent of the time, or something really small. I just well, don't know how I mean, my sense of reality is so different from population. Could be very different. Like I think that the data reflects a specific type of opponent, and ignition may be playing their ranges differently. And, and so they may have like a data read here that like, whatever this people yeah. perform poorly versus this one third and one way or the other. And that may yeah. be why it's hard, hard to nail it down. But I mean, I, I do think that like on ignition pe villains will stab a third here facing a check, like very often. Um, I don't really know like what to make of it. I don't want to raise again, because I think raising, I think it's just kind of overplaying my hand. Um, so basically just check calling here with the ace queen. Yeah. Are you gonna have any raises? I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the way to go if you're if you're gonna flat these sorts of hands too. All right. So you flat the one twenty. Uh, the river is eight of hearts. So the final board is ace, ace, deuce, ten, eight. 
two flush draws brick on the river. There are $607 in the middle. Both players still have over 1,800 behind. Um, Brad, I assume you're starting out with check once you take this line on the river. Correct. And then our villain in the middle position comes out with a 133-ish percent <laughs> pot bet. Pretty big, pretty chunky over bet here for $843 into 607. Um, I mean, I assume you don't really have much of a decision here. What, what I guess like one thing, this is sort of something that I do before I know I'm going to call is um, what sort of hands do I expect to see? Uh, take this line from villain. Um, so like if I lose, what sort of hands should I expect to lose to? And if I do win, what sort of bluffs do I expect to beat? I assume for this size, we're never beating value. Um, I expect to lose to deuces and tens a lot. Yeah. I think maybe eights if they stab the turn. Uh, but basically the boats that don't have an ace because those hands... I think those hands have a preference to go much bigger here because I have more aces in my range. Like when they have an ace, I don't know that they necessarily want to choose this specific sizing. So like hands that do not block the ace that are boats are the hands that I expect to see. Um, And then the bluffs, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, it could be like, you know, a bunch of king queens, queen jacks, king jack suited that miss like back doors or front door flush draws. Um, could be hands that are turning themselves into bluffs once we check call the turn, believing that they don't have enough showdown equity anymore and they're better served to turn themselves into a bluff, right? So I would say like if we're counting combos, they probably have uh, six to nine combos of boats and then, you know, the other, the, the bluff frequencies are found through... Uh, all those things that I just said, you know, the busted gut shots, back doors, busted floats, hands that turn themselves into bluffs. And yeah, we're getting like close to two to one. So we don't need to find many bluff combos in order to call the river. So I actually, I think the villain, I don't think they're probably supposed to be uh, supposed to have a hand like ace jack or ace five, but it wouldn't shock me if they just had like ace five. Like I wouldn't be like, totally shocked that they're choosing like a super polar sizing here, maybe trying to get called by like Kings, Queens, Jacks. Ugh. I would be surprised to see ace Jack or ace five. I, I, I was like on board with everything that you said up to that point. I think like the boats make a lot of sense. Um, and you know, just infinite bluffs to pick from, at least from, from our point of view. I, yeah. Again, like I would be surprised to see ace Jack or ace five, take the size on the river. Um, like again, I, I said this at, like right at the beginning of our river conversation, I, I don't think we beat value when uh when our opponents pick this size. But yeah, I mean, anyways, I I, I do like the size though. Like well, I think when you yeah. have yeah, sorry. Well, what I think I think it's very easy in situations like this to sort of project how you would play your range or how we think about hands and. Yeah. Other t- other people think differently, and maybe just like in the moment, they think that like I've got a large, uh, you know, high concentration of bluff catchers and kings, queens, jacks, and maybe like jack 10, 10x, yeah. and they just yeah. decide to go for it with ace, jack, or ace five. What I'm saying is like, I wouldn't be shocked or surprised to see it. Like it would okay. just be like, oh, okay, they they just got like too greedy and overplayed their hand. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I think that like you will see it occasionally. It's like low frequency, low percentage, but. I think that you will see it if you played this hand until the end of time against, you know, a spectrum of villains that you are going to see ASEX some percentage. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, I can get on board with that. Um, but yeah, I don't really have much of a decision here. I don't think I can check raise. Like like we said, not going to see ASACs often enough that merits check raising. So, but it, clearly, I, you can't fold ace queen here. Um, <laughs> you just gotta gotta call. <laughs> just better third check call the turn and fold the river. That'd be yeah. That would be like you know, we said that villain has you know nine combos of boats. And this is six combos right here of pocket sixes. Like, so for the podcast listener, I called the river, took down a $2,200 pot um, facing pocket sixes. Um, if they just have sixes in full, I can bluff catch <laughs> profitably. Yeah. That, that's yeah. how like razor thin um, you can call rivers because of the pot odds model. Yeah. I think this hand, like seeing the hand that you're, uh, that villain had um, really just, it drives home the point about like the way you played the turn and the river and just like one having a protected range when you check the turn so that you can call down uh in these spots and, and have very strong hands on the river that can call the overbet. Um, I think like for you know beginner poker players, like it would be really easy to just bet all your ace X on the turn and then check just your kings, queens, and jacks, and then you get to the river and face the overbet and you're like, Well, I mean, I, I don't know if I can call here with like kings, queens, jacks. Um, but when you do protect your range the way uh, you know the way that Brad did in this hand, it sort of gives you these very natural call downs, and and you're not getting you know bluffed by pocket sixes. Which I think like I think this guy going for it with pocket sixes versus just like the average player in the pool that checks the turn is like it's like I, I I see his plan. Like he's trying to fold out like kings queens jacks on the on the river at least uh, with this big bet, and I think it I think it works a lot versus. Uh, especially versus players who aren't as good about protecting their checking range on the turn and river as uh, as you are. So um, I think on the surface, this hand looks really wacky when you see the pocket sixes, but I I really do see like what what this guy was going for. And you could I, I can see the flip side of it too of like, do they bet a third with their boats, <laughs> right? Like on the turn. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I think that they are going to size up with some of their boats some of the right. time. So right. they don't have all the boats in full here on the river. Like they don't. I don't think they have nine full combos because like sometimes when they have like tens full, they're just going to go for it like two thirds. Right. They're just they're not trying to get the stacks in on the river. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would think so. So I, I mean, also think that like that's another reason that I would be surprised to see like Ace Jack or Ace Five because I think those hands similarly to the boats would be very tempted to go big on the turn. It's like, Oh, look at all these flush draws and gut shots. I can rep. like Kings are just going to have to call a big bet on the turn. Like if I go big, because like I could have diamonds or I could have, you know, queen Jack of clubs or something like that. So I'm just going to go big with my ace X two and like, you know, figure it out on the river basically. Yeah. I, I think uh, that's, that's true. I think yeah. villain most, most definitely has multiple sizings on the turn. Um, yeah. I, I would imagine. And, uh, Cool. So we got this hand in the books, ace queen, checking the turn to protect our range. And uh, coming up after the break, gonna play another three bet pot that John John played this week. So stick around after the break. Check it out. The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose. And you're easy to run over. Free Flop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your preflop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your preflop game from a place of weakness 
to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. John, I wanted to ask you why you decided to invest in a preflop bootcamp. Everything that you had done with me to that point, or I had heard you do, had impressed me. I love the podcast. I accidentally ended up in the poker power hour and loved that. And then I took coaching and then you recommended the boot camp. And at first I didn't think it was, you know, something that would be that valuable. But I was like, everything else has been amazing. So I signed up and then it just blew me away. And what about boot camp blew you away? Like it started off slow. Like I'm learning these ranges and I'm not even understanding what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, as I start to understand what we're doing with the three bets, the four bets, all of a sudden it just kind of hit me. And I was like, oh my God, how do I not know this stuff? This is amazing. The more I studied them, I started to understand why they were constructed sometimes. Like I'd be like, that's why that's like that. And that would lead to more revelations and just a better understanding of poker in general. Do you have any interesting takeaways from your boot camp experience? The most interesting thing about the boot camp, it's a pre-flop boot camp, but I feel like it's done as much for my post game as it did for my pre-game, just because I'm not in as many awkward and bad situations as I found myself in. You know, when we were doing coaching before the boot camp, we couldn't get through 10, 15 minutes of tape without finding mistake after mistake. And then once we did the boot camp, it solved problems on the back end as well. I know you've studied for a thousand hours this year. How do you think boot camp compares to your other poker study? Oh, it's crazy. The boot camp is probably the most important thing I've done all year out of everything. I would give anything to go back and to, to know that stuff 10 years ago. I can't imagine how successful I'd be right now if I had known that stuff. And I thought the boot camp was so valuable that I literally insisted you take more money from me and paid you more for the boot camp because I was blown away. I just thought the price was too cheap. And it's changed my game in ways that I, I can't even explain to you. If you'd like to join the next round of Preflop Bootcamp, which starts on the last Saturday of every month, head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp to lock up your spot. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. All right, welcome back to this episode playing some three butt pots versus regs in the ignition 1k pool john since you want to dive into the content without any foreplay why don't you start breaking down this second hand all right so same game same setting as the hand from uh from brad's hand a couple minutes ago five ten uh six max cash we are significantly less deep the button opens here uh, for $20, I'm in the small blind with 10-9 of clubs. Uh, I'm going to be pure three-betting this hand versus a button open. I assume I make it 90. Yep. Big blind folds and the button calls. So we are 90 big blinds, 91 big blinds effective with the button. The flop is ace-4-3, two clubs. I have 10-9 of clubs, so I flop a flush draw. 
Um, it's Ace Four uh, Deuce with oh, two clubs. Sorry, Ace Four Deuce. Yeah, my bad. I was <laughs> foreshadowing the <laughs> foreshadowing the turn. Um, so I start out with a small one third pot C bet here. Um, going to be doing this with all of my range, I think. Um, and the button calls. All right. I don't think much to discuss here. Um, the turn is the tray of diamonds. So we have ace of clubs, four of spades, deuce of clubs, tray of diamonds. So now there's uh four to a wheel on the board. A five makes a straight. John has a 10 eye flush draw. Uh, there's eight there. There's 313 behind and stacks are 848 remaining. So SPR is like, you know, almost three. Um, I assume you're checking range here. This is just not like not a great card for us on the turn. Yeah, so in game, I assumed that I'd be checking range on the turn. Um, like looking at the hand afterwards, I, I actually did have a question about this turn spot and whether I should be carving out a betting range here. The only 5x that I have, which is the only value that I would want to be betting, I don't think I'd even be betting like top set in this spot. Um, the only 5x that I have is ace five suited when I three bet out of the small blind. That hand does want to bet the turn for sure. Does it want to bet it enough that like I want to carve out a betting range for that hand and then like add in some bluffs? I assume like 10-9 of clubs would be like one of the slam dunk bluffs if you are going to bet the turn. Can't um, imagine. I can't imagine you having enough like value in your range to bet. I mean, villain's got deuces, fours, and trays, and fives, and you don't have deuces, trays, fours, or fives in your range. Like Right, but I wouldn't be betting deuces, trays, fours. Like even if I had them, I wouldn't be betting those sets on the turn. Like I I my only value that I'd bet on the turn would be uh, would be straights. Yeah, I mean, which I have, you know, three combos of. Yeah, you have three combos of straights and no other hands. So yeah. like, I, I would check range. I mean, just check range. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. villain just th- this card is just so much better for them than us that like I, I can't imagine us getting to have a betting betting range. Okay. All right. I'm I'm on board with that. Um, I just was curious whether you thought it was worth exploring having a betting range on the turn. Um, not really. Not, yeah. So we check. Villain picks an uh, interesting size that I'm not used to seeing. Picks uh, half pot. Uh, again, like in Brad's hand, I would expect to see like a small bet if this turn gets bet at all. Um, I don't know. I, I thought the size was a little bit strange, but again, I'm just getting too good of a price, uh, getting three to one immediate with a bunch of money behind. Flush draw, so... I would actually... I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see like you know a two thirds bet on the turn by villain. Yeah. Considering yeah, they've yeah. got so many strong hands, like they can just bet all their two pairs, all their ace five, all their five right. six, all their sets, uh, and then also their you know their their club draws and their backdoor spade draws. Like basically just going polar, I, I think makes a lot of sense from villain's perspective. So I, I would expect a big bet here on the turn. Not really the half pot size. Like I, I would imagine. I would just expect like a two thirds or three fourths bet by Villain, but okay, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Actually, um, going to revise what I said about expecting the small bet. I, I do, I think you're right. Like the strong hands here, you just want a bit bigger, and and you know, like he has just so many strong hands that I'm never going to have that like you can polarize with, uh, with bluffs pretty easily in this in this spot too, and and put me in a tough spot. Um, yeah, the half pot maybe like, uh, I mean, it may be signaling something, like yeah. Uh, yeah. They choose the half pot instead of the three fourths. Right, right. 
I think it does sing because like I really just never see regs use half pot on on the turn in these three bet pots. Um, I was well, what, just really surprised to see this. I was just happy that I'm getting a good price. I know you're biased because you know the result of the hand, but I mean, what do you think it would signal? Like, what hand makes most sense choosing half pot over like three fourths? I would say like weaker value, like that's and two pairs, and then. Um, Maybe it's like slightly easier, like more comfortable to bluff for like a half pot size than it is to, you know, go for the big size with like with club draws. I, I think I'm like already struggling to find like bluffs that aren't club draws. So I think there's one key component of the range that wants to use the small sizing or the smaller sizing, the half pot versus the three fourths. And that, that is that they have an ace, like somehow they have an ace. Um, because then they're blocking your continuing range. They're blocking your value. And if they're blocking your continuing range or blocking like your ace kings, ace queens, ace jacks, ace tens, then they probably are less inclined to polarize. And okay. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just like struggling to like get on board with that strategy, mostly because I probably would not be betting those hands on the turn. Or, well, let's say on, you have ace-deuce, ace-tray, ace-four, ace-five. Oh, oh, I, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, the two pairs, yes. Yeah, I'm saying, like, villain, if you have ace-deuce, ace-tray, ace-four, ace-five, like, for one, um, the small blind's likely drawing close to dead, but two, they have less of a continuing range because you right. have an ace, so they're, the, the incentive of their hand is to choose a smaller sizing instead of going polar. Right, okay. So what you're saying is you think that this sizing shift assuming it's a size down um, is indicative of how would you categorize this range? Like slightly weaker or slightly stronger than the than stronger the size. I would say stronger because I think the two, the two thirds range has a lot of bluff components to it. I think yeah. this half pot probably doesn't have as many uh, natural bluffs, especially if they have two sizes. So I think the half pot is stronger than three fourths. Okay. All right. Um, and with that said, like you have a flush draw and you're getting three to one here on the turn. There's actually the question of like, should you even call the turn with your 10 eye flush draw? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, just looking at the immediate odds, it looks like it would be fine to call. Um, the one thing I'm not factoring in are kind of like my reverse implied odds for when he, you know, a lot of his, his most natural bluffs are going to be club draws. Um, bunch of which are you know i'm just drawing dead against um i guess like the other natural part of his bluffing range is like a hand like six seven of spades or something or like something like that maybe <laughs> even that's like a little it's it's getting a little bit out there having like spade spade that doesn't include a five or a three um, well how often what what odds do you need to call the turn with the flush draw gonna put you put you out your pot odds on the spot uh like four to one yeah it's like four and a half to one yeah you're getting three to one like like you mentioned, we don't know how clean your flushes are. We also don't know whether villains like going to be inclined to just bet the river on like a flush completing river with like ace deuce ace three ace four. I mean, if the river's a jack of clubs, do they value bet? I don't know. No. Um, so I, I think it's pretty close. I, I would lean towards folding personally the turn. Yeah, which is interesting hearing me say that I would fold the turn in a spot where you don't fold the turn, but doesn't happen very often. What about raising? No, I don't like raising. I mean... I want to explore all the options. <laughs> sure I, 
I'm purely just calling with like my five X here. Like I'm just, because I mean, villain can have, like you said, like six, seven of spades or king, queen, queen, jack, queen, 10, king, 10 of spades, like some sort of seven, eight of spades, backdoor spades. Like we don't, we don't want to raise and fold out their natural bluffs. We want their bluffs to keep betting, to try to fold out like ace, king, ace, queen, ace, jack. Sure. Like our five X region doesn't want them to fold their natural bluffs, but our 10, nine of clubs region wants them to fold even six out of six seven of spades i assume they do but i think villain's got a large availability of value like you know all the two pairs the straights the sets it was was a totally hypothetical i wasn't serious about (laughs) raising so anyways i do make the the call that brad wouldn't make um oh oh we get the three of clubs on the river pairs of board Completes the flush. The board is now ace, deuce, four, three, three. I river the 10 I flush. I assume I'm just checking range here, which is, I don't know, that just goes into like what Brad alluded to on the turn about how like I'm going to be checking my entire range on the river, regardless of whether I make a flush and it's going to go check, check a lot. So can I even count on implied odds? If do I even have implied odds? Um, yeah. You need to win 225 that. here. That's yeah, the, yeah. 225 to make it like break even. I need to win an extra 225. I thought I only had to win like an extra like 155. It's four and a half to one. You're getting three oh, to four one. Four and a half. So yeah, you need you need 225 on the river to... I round down to four so I could get to call more often. Mm, mm. That's, that, that's for break even, by the way. That's like, that, we're trying to break even here. We're not talking about profiting. Um, so the river, John calls the turn. Uh, the final board is ace of clubs, deuce of clubs, four of spades, tray of diamonds, tray of clubs. So there's four to a straight. The board pairs, and John completes his flush. And uh, yeah, starting out by checking. Yeah, it's really funny because, like you know, like you said, like you know, I, there's definitely reverse implied odds here, and we don't expect villain to bet, you know, worse hands super frequently on flush completing rivers. When I checked the spot in game, I was sort of hoping that villain checked back. I was like. <laughs> At least I don't want to face a big bet on the river because that's going to be tough. Um, what do you do versus yeah. jam? They're good. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like just, just it's, it's, you're right. Like, I probably should be folding the, like, more seriously consider folding the turn because, like, this spot sucks if he bets big, if my, if button bets big. Yeah. I don't know that you can fold. I think you just have to call, but it is, it does not feel good yeah. at all. Yeah. Luckily for you, villain bets the 190. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> I see this size, and then I'm like, "Oh man, am I supposed to raise versus this size?" Like, let's let's think about this. <laughs> so, think about it. Think about it out loud on Tactical Tuesday. What do you think? I okay. So for us to raise here, we we would need villain to stack off with worse hand and a ten eye flush. Does he have worse flushes? Yes, there are eight high, seven high, six high, five high flushes that are certainly available. Well, five high is a straight flush. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's true. It is a straight <laughs> so we don't want him to have the five eye flush. Actually, yeah, that's yeah. a that's a good point. We don't even have Yeah, okay. Um I don't know. I'm not sure that villain stacks off with the five. Um once the flush gets there and the board pairs, like I'm gonna have a handful of combos of boats here and just like way better flushes than ten eye flushes. Uh to jam for value. Yeah, it it, it felt too thin to to jam the river even versus the size which what, what very your, very tight what would a bluff be here yeah. uh like ace four i think ace deuce i don't have ace deuce but i have ace four suited oh for him or for me for you yeah, i yeah, mean yeah. at least like 
instead of thinking about like what you have in your preflop range, I mean, from we, we want to look at this from villain's perspective, right? Like, yeah. do you have bluffs in your range? And what bluffs does would villain perceive you to have? So like ace four and ace deuce, I think are the two, you know, those are the hands that bluff that villain can find. And you've got three combos of ace deuce, two combos of ace four. So five possible bluff combos that you can find. Um, I don't think that is enough. <laughs> Like if you're you're jamming aces full, I imagine, right? So like you're yes. so like you you're jamming aces full, you're jamming ace tray, and you have two combos of ace tray. I mean, already you're under bluffing just right there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I think another way to like kind of phrase the point that you're trying to make is if I jam this spot, what hands would I expect villain to to stack off with? Like how tight do I expect his stack off range to be? And I would only expect boats and like maybe the nut flush or like you know top two flushes or something to be a stack off range right agreed yeah i i think it's too thin kind of funny that like we get in the spot and like we make our hand and we're like, still yeah we still don't meet the threshold of implied odds we're still <laughs> we don't get the we don't get to four and a half to one um on the river but you do make Wish your I hand race to 260 yeah 225 <laughs> yeah raised to 40 more um i see your 90 and I make it two thirty. Um, you call the river, and villain shows up with the ace five, which to me makes all the sense in the world. I, I think, like I said, we're both biased because we know the result of the hand before we started analyzing it. But I do think that like that fifty percent turn sizing probably means something, um, or maybe maybe it means nothing. I don't know. I'll leave that for the podcast listener to discern uh, for themselves, but. Yeah, villain has the ace five, which is a hand that makes all the sense in the world, and I really like the way they played it. Um, so good for them, and bad result for them. Another one, chalk, chalk another one in the win column for the luck box. For the pure life river, the pure life river. Uh, yeah. With that said, you know that that's it. That's our show for this week. We're going to be having a special episode um, coming out in a couple of days about the. Uh, future of Chasing Poker Greatness, CPG Wolves launch in either December or January. So subscribe to the YouTube channel or wherever you're listening to podcasts and uh, check that out. And that's all I got. Anything left, John? See you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.